I want to greet the people that are joining us online. I haven't done that in several weeks, and I'm so sorry. Um, we're glad we have the technology to do this. We're glad that you're joining us. We would like to say that if you're local um, and you just are checking us out, we'd love to meet you face-to-face, shake your hand, get to know you. Um, if you're not local and you're in a place where there's Bible-believing and Bible-preaching churches, I'd like to encourage you to find one near you. you you're welcome to watch with us. We love having you with us. Uh, you can watch us anytime during the week, the whole service, music and all. Um, and if you need help finding a church that is both Bible-believing and Bible-preaching, if you reach out to us, email or call, we'll do some research and see if we can find some place to recommend to you in your, uh, in your area. We just did that with someone two weeks ago in Budapest, Hungary, believe it or not. We have contacts over there. We were able to recommend to them a church that's both in English and Hungarian. So it doesn't matter where you are, we might know someone near you that can recommend something. Now, before we get to the passage uh, today, um, it's my, I I guess my honor, um, my duty to talk to you today about our current financial situation. Now, I know that everyone wants to just tune out. If you tune out, okay. Um, but I think that we've been a little remiss in how we've communicated it. Now, I'm not faulting Pastor Kurt or Pastor Chris or Pastor Doug or Andrew or anybody else um, because the, the weight of this kind of it, it kind of rides on my shoulders. Um, and I share that burden with the Lord pretty regularly, but I don't often say, hey, there's a, there's a sense here that we've got to, as a people, we've got to say yes to the ministries that God has called us to do. Or God is showing us that there's some things that, that where we've, We've not done our job, and so he wants us to cut some of those things out. It is my job as the lead pastor to about November 1, when we start getting a little anxious about our end-of-the-year resources, it's my job to start working out in my head what I would recommend to consistory. Like, if we don't bring in another penny, there's some things next year we can't do. There's some things in next year's budget, and there's some things that were in this year's budget that I need to recommend. Personnel that doesn't—I'm not pointing at anyone in particular— over here, Chris, I don't want you to hear that that way, but uh, personnel or ministries. So, um, and I think that one of the things that, 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 we've, that we haven't communicated is, yeah, we've communicated confidence because every year we're in a spot very similar to this, and every year God has been faithful of provision through his people. Um, but one of the things that I think we, 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 haven't, we, haven't, we haven't reminded you of is that this, this isn't the church and you, it's your church. It's your budget. These are your ministries. So when I talk about we and the church or our church, that means all of us. And how we participate in that is a way that we communicate our worship to God. So why do I believe that God will provide the resources before the end of the year? Because God's work never lacks God's provision. And if I look at some of the things, not all, but some of the things that we're doing, I think it tells us that we're doing God's work. The gospel is proclaimed unapologetically every opportunity we have. We're discipling our children. We're discipling our students. We're planting new churches in India, in Hungary, and in, right here in Holland Township. We spend hundreds of thousands of dollars annually supporting missions and missionaries uh, locally, regionally, and around the world. We have specific ministries to men, to women, and to couples. We pray for God's leading. You just heard uh, Terry talk about that, that we thought we were going in the right direction, and God kind of, he convicted us, and no, no, and he, we adjusted according to God's call. We minister to over 200 people weekly via technology and live stream. We feed the poor. We comfort the infirmed. We care for the mar- marginalized. 
Every funeral at this church is treated with the dignity that it should be as a rite of passage of a saint of God moving from this life to everlasting life. And we are growing up leaders in, for, in and for the kingdom, not just in and for our church. Now, I could and would love to go on and on and on. But again, this isn't what I'm doing. This is what we're doing. And we don't, if we don't end the year in a similar state that we started, here's, here's how I look at it. It's a, church giving goes like it's a hockey stick. If you lay it on the ground, it's kind of level, and then the last three or four weeks of the year, it goes boom, okay? But if, if it's level and then it doesn't go boom, then the hole we've been digging all year, it's just a hole. Right now, what we're doing is we're putting a little dirt back in the hole, and we're hope, all we're asking, we're not getting greedy, we're just hoping that it's level ground again, that we end the year the same way we started. So I want to effectively, without guilt, remind you that this is our church, it's our ministries, and where we are today. Now, you look in the bulletin, and you see that it, last week looked like a pretty good week, but not a great week. Money came in throughout the week. In the bulletin, all you have is money that made it into the bank before the bulletin was published Wednesday afternoon. We had some stock trades come in, um, but those trades haven't been made yet, and you, we all saw what the market did last week. So I don't know what those are going to turn out to be. So this is a fluid number, but it's pretty close. We need $321,000 between now and midnight on New Year's Eve. It's December 23, 2018, if you didn't know. Now, we understand that there are those that cannot participate. If you are a hog farmer, you're getting beat up in the commodities market right now. We get it. If, you, if you're in an industry that was affected by the tariffs, some of us have been laid off. Others of us, um, interest rates, and we can't borrow the money that we need to for, 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 to expand businesses. That we, we totally understand that. Um, I, someone contacted me this week. They lost their job. They're going to get it back in March, but they lost their job, and they, they're trying to figure out if they can do Christmas, much less contribute to the church. If, if that's your case, let us know if you would like to. We will pray for you. I'm not talking to you about this other stuff, but there are those of us that can, and I'm one of them. Every year, the leanest month is November or September. Every year in September, Lynn and I write a check for the rest of our giving for the year in September. Just, a, a, just a, an act of faith. Um, and we've done that, but there's no reason that she and I can't do another $1,000. So $321,000 is now $320,000. As of noon tomorrow, that check will be written and handed over to the church. If you are someone who can, and God calls you to participate, I'm asking you to consider that with the Lord, not with me and not out of guilt. We just have some decisions to make if we don't make it at the end of the year. That's all. And you will be informed of whatever decisions those are if we need to make those. But if we come in at or better than our expenses, then we have other decisions to make. And you will be informed of those decisions and asked to participate. So without that said, I'm going to offer a prayer. Now, here's the deal. God owns the cattle on a thousand hilltops. I'm going to ask him to sell a couple of cows. Pretty simple, right? Not pork. That market's not good right now. God does not have to dim the lights in heaven to save a little money to send Community Reformed Church in Zealand, Michigan a little bit. He doesn't have to do it. He's perfectly capable. So let's pray together, and then we'll get to the message. Lord, your God, we're not. You provide. You are the great provider. And we ask you to provide. We ask you to bless your people in such a way that, they, that they're able. And we ask you, 
Lord, then to call your people, however you deem best, to contribute, to participate in the ministries of this church. There are, Lord, there are ministries all over the place that need our money. And there's one here. So help us discern where you want us to participate financially. Lord, we ask you, you own the cattle on a thousand hilltops. We ask you to sell a few of those. Provide for your people so that your people can provide for these ministries here. And Lord, as we talk through a very difficult passage that looks like it's just a condemning thing, give me your words to communicate your desire to your people. Lord, this is not my message for them. It's your message for us. We are uh, all a church, and that includes the pastors. So Lord, speak to your church today. Give me the demeanor, the cadence, the spirit of it, so that your people hear what you want them to hear today. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. One last thing. Last week, when little Lucas prayed, and, um, and Kurt said, oh man, we should, we should give him, you know, he should give him one of these jobs, my job, and I said, yeah, that'd be, after the first of the year, he can have it. Um, I got several emails about, are you leaving? Um, so if you're hoping I'm leaving, you're going to be disappointed. If you're not, um, it was just one of those off-the-cuff things. I had no idea what to say, so I filled the air. It wasn't smart. Um, but part of it, the reason for after the beginning of the year is because I don't want anyone to have to feel the mantle of where, you know, this, this, the, all the stuff I just talked about. So that, to clear that up, to clear that up, All right, we're, we're going to be in Amos. Amos is a minor prophet, and Amos is one of those books that you got to be careful when you say it. And it's one of those that we don't often go to because it's not one of those real uplifting books. There is one, there, there are a few, a few kind of almost nice things in there, and we're reading all of those today. Okay, um, it's kind of, if you think of Lamentations, and that's probably Jeremiah, when, when the Babylonians are coming to take, to, to, to decimate Jerusalem, and everything that Jeremiah held dear, everything that made his life worth living, uh, the worship of God, the temple, everything's destroyed. And Jeremiah is lamenting, he's just crying out, everything is gone. But there's this moment when he's down by the river that he's able to say something like, even though, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. He can see the glory of God even when it looks like God has abandoned his people. Amos, before, before it's going to feel like God's going to abandon his people, God sends Amos to tell them, watch out. God is fed up. It even says somewhere in Amos that his patience is done. So this is, this, this is not an uplifting passage, but what God is saying is... Because we live, it's Advent, right? And we're talking about love, and the opposite of love is hatred or even indifference. And the people of God had gone toward indifference at best, hatred at worst. See, what was going on in the northern kingdom, and by the way, I would not want to be Amos. Amos is from Judah, the northern kingdom, Israel. Um, he's not one of them, but God sends them over the border to tell them nasty things. It would be kind of like someone from San Francisco that does not know the Lord, not that far, but that does not know the Lord and, and is opposed to everything, kind of an enemy to us. Uh, nothing against San Francisco. I'm just using that as a faraway place. And if they showed up today and said, this is what the Lord, and this is what you're doing wrong, would we go, oh, thanks, bring it. Kind of go, you don't know us. 
That's kind of what God asked Amos to do. What's going on in both Judah and Israel right now in this spot, it's about 750 A.D. God had been very good to the, to the Israelites. And they had been unbelievably prosperous. And there was peace. And they had this idea, this attitude, that because God had blessed them, they decided to bless themselves. They paganized their worship of God, which means that instead of tearing their clothes and putting ash on their face and falling before the Lord and asking for forgiveness when they messed up, they just killed an animal. And, you know, if we do this and this and this and this, we will appease the deity and the deity will leave us alone. That's very pagan. It's very witchcraft-ish. And God's like, I don't want any more of that junk. I don't want your, your, your sacrifices. I don't want your burnt offerings. I want your heart. But they had gone on and on and on and on and on and on and on with no heart for God. And he finally is going to allow them to experience the consequences of their behavior. God loves us so much that he will allow us to become as miserable as we choose to be. Why? So that maybe we'll come back. Once we think that we have no need of God, we begin to treat other people in a way that is how God would never treat us. That's what we're hearing about today. It reads like this in Amos chapter 5. Now, again, I'm telling you, this is harsh stuff. The overall sermon is not going to be harsh, but I want you to hear it for what it is because God's not kidding around. This is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will, will surely go into exile and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and you'll live. Or he will sweep through the house of Joseph like a fire. It will devour, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. You who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground, it's very uplifting, isn't it? And then there's a parenthetical phrase. This is one of those times when God, like when God said to Job, and he also said something like this to Jonah, like, who are you to question me? Did you hang the stars and the moon? Did you set things into motion? Did you speak existence into being? So this is par parenthetical place. You know, those of you who cast righteousness to the ground. He who made the Pleiades and Orion, those are constellations in the stars, um, who turns blackness into dawn, who turns darkness, who darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. He flashes destruction on the stronghold and builds the fortified city to ruin. Now, if you're a person of God and God sends someone to say to you, God can go like this and we're done. We should listen to him if he seems less than pleased. I know. I know, it's not uplifting. We'll get there. You hate the one who reproves, which means to correct or to, or, to, or to stand up and exhort in court, and despise him who tells the truth. You trample on the poor and force him to give you grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses. I know how great, are, how great your sins. You oppress the righteous and take bribes, and you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent, the wise man, keeps quiet in such times. 
for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on a remnant of Joseph. And then a passage that might sound familiar to you from Amos. It's not going to be up on the screen, but it says, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-ending stream. What is God calling his people to do? What is he correcting? The same thing he's always been calling his people to and always correcting. From the beginning of time, God wanted his people to be a blessing to all the earth. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and he said, be fruitful and multiply, he intended, he expected, he wanted everything to point to God. He wanted there to be, just like there, was, there were no lions eating lambs, there was no predation, there were no weeds, there were no thistles, everything worked the way it should, and people were supposed to love one another, treat one another with the dignity and respect that God was treating them, and we said, nope, I want it not your will, but my will be done. And so God allowed the consequences of our own behavior to, for us to reap the consequences. And then he shows up again, and 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 I could keep doing again and again and again to say, folks, you're supposed to love me and love others. Jesus summarizes it, doesn't he? When he says, the, the, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with everything that you have and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Here's the thing, folks. If I don't love my neighbor, I don't love God. And that goes back to the beginning. If you remember, after the Joseph story, and then we get into, into Exodus, when Moses rescues his people, God calls on Moses, rescues his people, and he pulls them out and he takes them across the Red Sea and then they, they show up at this, at this spot Mount Sinai and Moses goes up to hear from God the covenant of God the law of God the ten commandments of God while God is carving into the stone with his own finger here is my will for my people his people were casting a cow out of gold and bowing down and saying you brought us out of Egypt God is not thrilled when we turn to things other than him but God himself sent these ten commandments the Decalogue and he, and he wants us to do one thing Love God and love others. Think about it. No other gods before me, no graven image. Don't take my name in vain. Then you've got number four. It's kind of the, 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 the fulcrum of the commandments with interaction with creation. Rest from, give it a break. And give yourself a break from it. And then the five through 10 are all about our, how we behave toward other people. See, God from the beginning, his plan, his desire, his hope for humanity has been love the Lord your God with everything you have. Love other people the way you love yourself. Plain and simple. But when, when God's people choose not to do that, they're choosing not to worship God. See, I can't, the, the, the whole Ten Commandments thing and the whole reminder of what's the, the, the greatest commandments when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as you love yourself, he, he's giving us a, a diagnostic tool if you love God, truly, you will love other people. If you hate God, you'll see it in your behavior toward others. And if you hate others, this is harsh, you're hating God. 
Jesus says in Matthew, it'll sound familiar, then he will say to the, this is the sheep, the sheep and the goats, then he will say to, the, to those on his left, your left over here, my left over here, depart from me, you are cursed in the etern- into the eternal, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For, when I, for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I, I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. That's the negative side of it. If I hate people, I hate God. But the beginning of that, that's the goats. What about the sheep? Come to me. Because when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I, when I was sick or in prison, you came to visit me. You looked after me. When, when, Lord, when do we do that? Whatever you've done unto the least of these, my brothers, Jesus says, you've done to me. So these Advent themes of peace, joy, hope, love, we're on love today. We're trying to look at it and say, folks, there's another side to these things. These, are, these can feel good and emotional, and they can be kind of comforting, and that's good. But God's not kidding around. He was not kidding around to the people in Amos' time, and he's not kidding around to us today. His desire, his call for us is to love other people. He wants us to be light to the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, but then he tells us, we are the light of the world. We are a beacon on a hill. We are not to take the light and put a bushel over it. Let me just give you a little example of this, how, how powerful small little pieces of light are. You know, I've asked this before, kids, is there such, have you ever have a flashlight? You know, you turn it on, or if you do it like a cop. Have you, have you ever seen a flash dark? No. Right? Because darkness is just the absence of light. When I, where I grew up in East Grand Rapids, where I grew up, we lived in the oldest house in East Grand Rapids. The person that Reeds Lake was named after built the house we lived in. And um, there's an old story that was published in the local newspaper. When, when our house got that historical plaque, they did a little story. And some, I, there's not many of you old enough to remember this, but I'm certainly not. But there used to be on the other side of Reeds Lake, on the north side of Reeds Lake, there used to be this place called, uh, it, was, it was an amusement park, Ramona. Anyone ever remember hearing about the Ramona Park? Um, it was an old rickety roller, roller coaster. There's a little train that went over there. But the, the young lady that lived in the house that I grew up in worked at the Ramona Park until nighttime in the summer. And her mom used to hang a lantern, a gas lantern in the black walnut tree that still stands today. It is hundreds of years old. It is this huge tree. Used to hang a little lantern, a gas lit lantern there, and two and a half miles away as the crow flies, but all the way around Reed's Lake, this young lady would navigate her way home because of a small gas Coleman-type lantern hanging in a tree in front of her house. So she would walk from the north side over by Hoden Pile Woods in East Grand Rapids and walk all the way around down Lakeside Drive, down around Reeves Lake Boulevard, Lakeside Drive, and then over to Lake Drive as it intersects with Breton, or, uh, with Breton Road there and, and one house over. She was able to see from miles away this little pinprick of light, and she knew that is home. 
That is why God calls us to be the light of the world. That is why he called the Israelites to be the light of the world. He wants everyone, when light shows up, everyone turns toward it. If it's completely and utterly dark and you have absolutely no light and suddenly a little blink of light, where is your, it's like a moth. Everyone, you, turn, you can't focus on anything else. You can only see the light. You can no longer see the darkness. And then when you turn away from the, from the light to the darkness, the darkness seems even darker. God's desire for his people is to love other people, to be the light of the world. Don't put the, the candle under a bushel. Let it shine. That's a silly song, but let it shine. So it is my hope and the whole purpose of preaching through Joseph and then this Advent series is, is to remind us whose we are who we represent, and that we are indeed supposed to love even our enemies. And folks, I've got enemies. I mean, I have literal enemies. But then I have the people, there's a couple of channels on TV that if you flip between them, one, one channel I'm like, yes, you see it right. And the other channel's like, who do you think you are? I yell at the TV. I, 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 and then little go, Trent, turn it up. Yep. Because there's no peace in my life when that stuff's going on. But, you know, there, there are people that when I watch them and they talk about it and they, can, and, and, and they, and they talk about things that, dis, that decision makers in our country are, are doing, I think they want to take us in a place that will actually do harm to people like me. That makes them my enemy. And I'm supposed to hate my enemy, right? No, I'm supposed to love them. Are we praying for those that disagree with us? Are we, are we willing to give grace to someone who we don't think deserves it? No one deserves it. That's grace. So are we a people? Am I a person? That the Lord, if he returned today, if he came as the lamb and he's returning as the lion, if he came today and showed up right here, would he look at me and go, well done, good and faithful servant. You look nothing like the Israelites in Amos' time. You, you loved your enemies. When someone slapped you upside the head, you gave them the other cheek. You prayed for those who persecuted you. Oh, I hope so. And folks, I think we're doing corporately, I think we're doing well. We're sharing the gospel. We're planting new churches. We're loving and training up our children in righteousness. We're not casting righteousness to the ground. I think we're doing well. Praise God. But be reminded that what we do and how we treat others matters. And it doesn't just matter to us. It matters to God. It matters enough to God that he sent a prophet to the northern kingdom to tell him, I'm done. He didn't abandon them, but he did allow them to suffer. And folks, there is pain in your lives. Not all of you, but many. There are diagnoses in your lives. Not all of you, but many. There are troubles in your lives. Not all of you, but many. And there's a world that doesn't want the church anymore because they don't want to be accountable to anything beyond themselves. And God chooses his bride who sometimes looks spotted and not pure, but he chooses his bride to show the world what God is like. Is God a God of anger and judgment and rules? Or is God a God of love and mercy and joy 
and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. If God is a God of those things, are we? Oh, I hope so. Oh, I hope so. We're going to celebrate the birth of Christ tomorrow night and Tuesday morning. But let's celebrate the resurrected life of Jesus today. We get to live with the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And that gives us the power and the courage and the authority to love our enemies, to bless those who are marginalized, and to represent the reign of Christ in a spot that sometimes it looks like it's just filled with darkness. We get to be light in the world today. We don't have to wait till after Christmas, and it's not only at Christmas time. Folks, it's either love or hatred. In God's eyes, there's no difference. So let's be a people of love. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bless you because you're God. We love you, but you first loved us. Give us the courage, the humility, and the strength to stand firm when people push back. Not to stand firm and tell them how wrong they are, but to stand firm and show them how much you love them. Because hatred isn't pushed back with more hatred. Hatred is absorbed by love. You absorbed our sin. You absorbed our hatred. You became those things. Help us to be people that behave like you did. For your glory, not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is, this is an encouragement, and it might be an admonishment. It's meant as an encouragement. Sometimes we get this view of church, even of God in our heads, that, that it's, just, it's just this. It's a comfort. It's a nice thing. It helps us. But see, it's a much bigger deal. Why did God get so angry with the people in Amos' time? Because they weren't doing the one thing God wants them to do. They weren't behaving toward others the way God behaves toward them, period. This is a much bigger deal than we think. The purpose of the church is to declare the manifold wisdom to the rulers and the authorities of the air. That's the spiritual demonic hosts. We're supposed to push them back by proclaiming the gospel, but, but we're also supposed to save the world through Christ. How do we do that? By power? By anger? By judgment? No, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the spirit of God lives within you. And he gives you the power and the authority to speak on his behalf that God has compassion and mercy and grace to give to anyone who would receive it. And if he's seeking them out, they're going to respond. You get to participate in God-sized love work. So be a person. Let's be a people that God looks at and says, well done, good and faithful servants. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his countenance toward you. God, smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ and Merry Christmas to all.